Hello and welcome to The Grove Zone. You have tuned into the podcast of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. At Union Grove, we are learning, serving, giving, and connecting under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. David Anthony Clark, Sr. For more information on Union Grove, find us on the web at www. Dot the grovewr.org. And now, here's a word from the Lord. Psalm 34, we're going to wrap this sermon series up. We began uh, at the beginning of the month talking about praise God anyway. Then we looked at how David challenged us to magnify the Lord. We talked about magnify the Lord anyway. Then he told us that he sought the Lord and the Lord delivered him from all of his fears. And we shared a word to seek God anyway. Then he told us to taste and see that the Lord is good. We're blessed when we trust in God. And so we shared a word to trust God anyway. And today we're going to look at several verses and talk about fear God anyway. Fear God anyway. Verse 9 is one of the verses we're going to look at. Verse 9 and then 11 through 14. uh, In fact, 11 through 16. All right. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints. For there is no want to them that fear him. Then verse 11, David says, Come, ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile or deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. Fear God anyway. We talked about praise God anyway. Magnify God anyway. Seek God anyway, despite everything that you're going through. Trust God anyway, and today, fear God anyway. Fear God anyway. Um, as, I, as I look in this, as I look at what David shares with us today, um, one of the things that comes to mind is, is how irreverent our, our world is, especially the society here in America. It's just a prevalence of irreverence. Uh, what used to be taboo is no longer taboo. Some things that, 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 that people would not dare say or do publicly now is done blatantly. You see a gross, a prevalent irreverence, irreverence in America. In television, in our television shows, there are words said on TV today that you didn't hear these words uh, 30, 40 years ago. There are, there are scenes seen on television today that you did not see uh, many years ago, many decades ago. I remember, I'm I'm about to date myself, which shouldn't be a problem because I'm still a young man. But anyway, I remember growing up watching the Lucy, the Lucille Ball show. I love Lucy. And sometimes they would show the bedroom uh, of of she and Ricky and they had separate beds. (laughs) Even the older TV shows that had some of the bedrooms, you would find where the husband and wife had separate beds. So that just shows the evolution of television. Now, man, you have all kinds of, all kinds of stuff on television. Irreverence, irreverence. Oh, and in our movies, nothing new. But in our movies, you see a prevalence of irreverence, irreverence. In our music, you hear 
irreverence. Music videos, you see irreverence. Social media, social media, people will say anything, post anything, share anything on social media. Videotape live anything. Uh, listen, there, there should be a line between what is decent and what is indecent. There should be a line between what is reverent and what is irreverent. But you see irreverence everywhere. Children disrespecting adults. You got kids in kindergarten cursing out teachers, calling them names. Uh, uh, it, it's crazy. When, when I was in school and some of you streaming, when you were in school, that was inconceivable. Inconceivable. Just, just inconceivable. But now you see this irreverence in our schools. You see irreverence in our homes. You see some irreverence in church. Just total blatant irreverence. And David tells us who live in an irreverent con a context of irreverence. Fear. Fear the Lord. Oh, ye saints, there is no, there is no want to them that fear the Lord. David, David tells us as we are dealing with, and I have not forgotten, I'm sure you may not have forgotten either, we're still dealing with this COVID-19 pandemic. He tells us to fear the Lord. He tells us in the midst of civic unrest, civil unrest across the country. Last night I'm watching videos of riots across the country and people are throwing things at police officers and and, and challenging the barriers that police officers are, are, are erecting or, or human barriers that they're making as, as police officers. You just see this irreverence with the, with the rioting and the looting. Listen, I, I'm, I get the anger. I get the outrage. I get it. I get it. Believe me when I tell you I get it. But, but there should be, there, there's a line of irreverence that's, that's been crossed. And it's not new. We, we, we've, 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 it's just we're in a society where there's a prevalent irreverence in God. And, and, and David says to us, fear God. Anyway, what do we mean by fearing God? What do we mean by fearing God? Fearing God, the word that David uses simply means to have reverence towards God, to be in awe of God, to honor God, to respect God. And fearing God is translated into obeying God. Is, is translated in obeying. When you, when you demonstrate a fear of God, an awe towards God, a reverence of God, it is translated, you can see it in a life of obedience. A life of obedience. The, the, the person who fears God obeys God. For to fear God is to strive to please God in every aspect of your life and in every season of your life. To fear God is to, is, is to please God, to honor God, to obey God in what we say, what we do, and how we respond to any and everything that happens in our lives. We have been sharing from Psalm 34 a series entitled Unstoppable Worship. Unstoppable worship, where the worship cannot be stopped. And, 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 and when we talk about worship, we're not talking about singing songs. That's, that's a part of it, but that's not all of it. When we talk about worshiping God, it goes beyond the songs. It goes beyond the clapping, the dancing, the shouting, the running. Worship, to worship God in spirit and in truth, means that I honor God. I'm in awe of God. I obey God in every aspect of my life and in every season of my life. 
If I am an unarmed black man who claims to worship God, I still worship when I am an unarmed black man. It can get hard sometimes, though, can't it? When I'm pulled over by the police and I've done nothing wrong, I've committed no crime, I've got to remember, I'm still a worshiper. If I, if I am a worshiper and I am in, let's say, law enforcement for a living, I have to remember, even with that uniform on, even with that badge on, even, e even with the billy club, the nightstick, the, the taser gun, the, the nine millimeter on the hip, still a worshiper in uniform, which means that in everything I say, everything I do, in uniform, I do it as one who worships God, one who fears God anyway. Anyway, in the midst of this time in which we live, when, when we're sick and tired of, of unarmed citizens, especially those who have been kissed by the sun, to be, to be killed by those who are supposed to protect us, and then uh, district attorneys across the country either take their time in, uh, in, in convicting or, or at least launching an arrest, um, or never get around to it and justify white officers killing black unarmed citizens, uh, even then, in expressing our outrage, we do so as worshipers who fear God anyway. Even then, the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts, as difficult as it can be sometimes, must be pleasing in God's sight. He is still our rock. He is still our salvation. Even, even when we're, we're making posts on social media expressing our outrage or we're out in the streets rioting and protesting, we do so as worshipers. We do so honoring, honoring God in awe of God. Our responses to whatever happens in our lives must honor God. Fearing God, again, y'all, is seen in obeying the commandments of God. Jesus summed up the commandments of God simply by saying, love God with all your heart all your soul, all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. No matter what you're going through. No matter, it doesn't matter how your neighbor treats you. We love them. And I know it can be challenging. I know it can be hard. It can be hard. Especially, especially when, you, when, when, when you have personally and directly been the victim of injustice. And let me say this, I may, I may say it again, but in case I don't, let me say it now. Injustice knows no color. Anyone can be a perpetrator of injustice. I was watching videos last night where white cops pulled over a white citizen and told him that until so the white citizen pulls out his phone and he's recording his interaction with the police. And the police officer told him to turn off his phone that he could not record the police officer. And, he's, and, the, and, the, and the driver, he was an Uber driver, Uber driver. And he says, uh, when did it become illegal for me to not record our conversation? And he says, turn off that phone. You're going to turn off that phone right now. And the, and the Uber driver says, I'm not turning off my phone. I don't have to turn off my phone. I can, I can video record this interaction. And the, and the officer is insisting, if you don't turn off, that, turn off that phone, I'm going to search your car. I'm going to call the canine, search your car. And then when the Uber driver disclosed that he was also a lawyer and told him, I know, uh, this must be a brand new law that came out like yesterday if you're telling me that it is illegal for me 
to videotape our interaction. Oh, the tone, in a few minutes, the tone changed. The tone changed. Injustice doesn't know any color. I watched another video last night, another video, where some black officers, two male black officers, had, had stopped a black man, and the, and the driver, the black man, was saying, I have a driver's license. I have, it's in the trunk of my car. Let me get my driver's license. So he's out of the car. So now they're trying to subdue and arrest the, the man, and they're trying to cuff him. The, 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 the man is, is resisting, and he's constantly hollering, I got a driver's license. It's in the trunk of the car. It's in the trunk. Let me get, let me get to the trunk. They would not let him get to the trunk. So they're trying to put the hand, get his hands behind his back and, and put the cuffs on him, and he's resisting. They get him on the ground. They sprayed something in his eyes eyes and eventually they got the handcuffs on him put him slammed him into the squad car and the whole time he's still saying my license is in the trunk of my car i got my license it is not suspended it's in the trunk of the car injustice it knows no color. And it's not only secluded to police departments. It's not only secluded to law enforcement. And let me say this. Praise God and big ups to the good officers that are out there. I, I saw one in action this past Monday as I responded to an emergency and the police officer was there. The police officer stayed there the whole night and then, comf and then comforted the family um, and, and, and gave his card and said, if there's anything I can do, white officer right here in Warner Robins, Georgia, great officer, did a great job being sensitive very empathetic and uh, big big ups to the good cops that are out there today i want to look at i want to look at this and, and it's not only secluded to law enforcement because david david in our text the background to this text as i've been sharing with you this past month is is in the context of of injustice but it's not racial you would think that David, if he's suffering injustice, that it would be from someone of another race. But it's somebody of his own. It's his own people. It's, it's King Saul who, uh, who has become so insecure, he accused David of wanting to overthrow his kingdom Remove him as king and take over as the king of all Israel. So King Saul tries to kill David and David is running for his life. And it is at this time when David is running for his life that he pins the words to the 34th Psalm. David, if we were to ask Saul, Saul, have you, have you heard David say he's going to overthrow you, lead some sort of a coup attempt and, and take over your kingdom? King Saul would have to respond, no, I haven't heard him say it. But I, but I, I just, I wouldn't put it past him. So wait a minute. You, you have basically made yourself district attorney, arresting officer, jury, judge, and sentenced this man to be executed because you assume, based on your own insecurities, that he wants to overthrow your kingdom and take over as king. I, Saul, and, and let's remind, let me remind King Saul, who's the same race, same ethnicity as King David, uh, that David is a combat veteran. David, David, when no one else would kill Goliath, David steps into the scene. David steps on the scene with his, with his weapon, took out Goliath, becomes a national hero. David, who fought for his nation. David, David, who stood up when no one else would, becomes, becomes this victim, literally running for his life. We could say then, well, King Saul mm, goes beyond law enforcement. Maybe we could say the government was out to kill David. King Saul, 
and all of his cronies out to kill David. David took off running for his life. The government, government was out to kill David. The government was complicit in David running for his life. But even with all of this on David's back, even in this context of, of, of one of his own kind being after him, David, in the context of being a, a celebrated combat veteran, David being in, in the context of, of, we can look at this as a domestic issue. Saul is David's father-in-law. And David runs for his life, victim of injustice, and tells you and he tells me, Fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear the Lord. Honor the Lord, ye his saints. Obey the Lord, ye his saints. Even when you're a victim of injustice, whether it comes from someone of another kind, whether it comes from someone of your own kind, even when it comes from your own family, even then, fear the Lord. Obey God, honor God, handle it God's way. Handle your situation, respond God's way. But David, you don't, you don't understand, man. I mean, after a while, you just get fed up. Do you know how long David ran from Saul? David, David is still, his, his worship is unstoppable. Even after all this time, David says, I'm going to handle this the way God would have me to handle it. I'm going to respond the way God would have me to respond. That's what people do when they worship God and they fear God anyway. I didn't do anything wrong, but I'm going to fear God anyway. Fought for my country, but I'm still going to fear God anyway. Can't convict me of any crime, but here we are, me, being sentenced, David would say, being sentenced basically to execution, but I fear God anyway. I'm going to handle this the way God would have me to handle it. I'm going to respond the way God would have me to respond. And I know some of you who have been to Sunday school at least once or twice can recall that in this whole scenario, while David is running for his life from King Saul, David had around, what, two opportunities to kill Saul and was urged by his boys. David, go on and take him out. Go on, you got him. He's in a vulnerable position. He can't defend himself. Go on and take him out. We can get him now, David. We're tired of all this running. Tired of all of this foolishness, David. Go on and get him. And David said, hold on, player. Hold on. One thing I ain't going to do is touch the Lord's anointed. Don't care what he's done to me. Don't care what, he's, what, what he may say, what he may do. I'm not going to touch the Lord's anointed. God would not have me to do that. That's how people respond. That's how worshipers respond when we fear God anyway. David, and I want you to really pay attention to whom David makes this appeal. Look at to whom David makes this appeal. I'm, I'm still in verse 9. Oh, fear the Lord. Here it is. Oh, man. Ye his saints. Mm. Fear the Lord, ye his saints, the holy ones, people who are called by God to be his own, the saints, sanctified folk. Saints, watch this, though. Saints are not perfect people. Saints are not perfect people. Saints are holy people, but 
but we're not, we're, we're, we're not, we have not yet perfected holiness. We, we ain't perfect when it comes to holiness. Sometimes, sometimes our rage may get the best of us. Sometimes our emotions may get the best of us. Sometimes our frustration, especially when we're frustrated with stuff that's been going on for centuries. Still working on perfecting holiness. And that's what Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. That we are to be perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Still working on it. Still working on it. But we are the saints. We're set apart. We're different. We're not perfect people, but we belong to God. And even in the midst of injustice, we still conduct, we still conduct ourselves as saints. Jesus can help us. He, Jesus can help us here. Jesus can, Jesus' teachings on the Sermon on the Mount would, would give us some insight as to how the saints of God who fear God anyway will respond and behave even in the midst of injustice. Jesus would say that the saints are people who are poor in spirit. Saints are people who are, are those who mourn knowing we shall be comforted. Saints are meek and meekness is not weakness. Meekness is controlled strength. I can take it. I can take the injustice. I can take the unfair treatment. I can take it and I'm going to keep it moving. I can take it and I'm going to still hold my head up high. I can take it and still hold on to my principles. I can take it and still hold on to my values. I can take it and I won't compromise who I am in Christ. Meekness controlled strength. I'm not going to be I'm not going to be excessive when I get angry. I'm not going to be excessive when I'm depressed or even when I'm discouraged. I'm not going to be excessive in exercising authority when I'm the person in authority. It's meekness. Meekness is controlled strength. Jesus says that the meek shall inherit the earth. That's what saints do. Saints are people who hunger and thirst after righteousness, knowing we shall be filled. Saints are merciful, knowing that we shall obtain mercy. Saints, not perfect people, but we're pure in heart, knowing we shall see God. And I love this part. Jesus would say to all of us that the saints, saints are peacemakers and shall be called children of God. Saints are not perfect people. But saints are persons who may be persecuted for righteousness sake and shall rejoice for ours is the kingdom of heaven. And even today, as we deal with this, with this injustice and rioting and looting and, and expressing our outrage, Jesus would even say that even in all of this, we, the saints who are to fear God anyway, are the salt of the earth and we cannot allow what's happening to make us conform to the evil and hostility if we do that we've lost our savor and are therefore according to jesus words worthless now is not the time for the saints of god born again filled with the holy ghost following hard after jesus to be so outraged that we push our relationship with christ to the side we compromise our salvation compromise our kingdom principles our kingdom beliefs and conform to the world we've got to be different we've got to influence the outcome of this situation as the salt of the earth otherwise if we don't influence if we're not different if we sound just like everybody else say what everyone else is saying and and, and respond just like everybody else we've lost our savior and jesus said we're worthless worthless if in these times if in these times if we don't get anything else we must realize we are still the salt of the earth the light of the world we must be different we've got a flavor how this thing is happening and impact the outcome that's what the saints do we fear God anyway. Yeah, we, we, we may want to do some of the same stuff that people in the world are doing in response to this, but we're saints. We're different. 
We're different. So let me get more specific. David shares some things with us, and I'll be done. He shares some things with us, some, some specific behaviors, mindsets, if you will, as to how we, as the saints of God, who, who are going to fear God anyway. Yeah, I'm outraged, and there's some stuff I want to say, some stuff I want to do, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be one who fears God anyway. He gives us some things to consider. I'm in verse number nine. First of all, he would tell us that those who fear God do not lack. Do not lack. Look at verse number nine. Verse number nine. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. There is no want to them that fear him. I read that over and over again. There is no want to them that fear him. There is no lack to them that fear him. I sent David a text. I'm like, Dave, bruh, I don't mean any disrespect, man, but there's no want to them that fear him. You, you've had an awful lot of God-fearing, Jesus-loving, kingdom-advancing people who lack health insurance, who, who lack justice, who, who lack fair representation in levels of government. You, now you got God-fearing, Jesus-loving, kingdom-advancing people who lack employment. Just when they could go back to work, now their place of employment has been vandalized and ruined. Now they ought to work again. Yeah, I've heard the testimonies of some who are uh, making more money in unemployment than they were making when they were working. That's a different testimony. We'll get back to that, David. We'll get back to that. But there are some people, David, who seem to be lacking. David sent me a text. He sent me a text. He said, yeah, but, but you got to wait till the end. God, God sometimes works his justice in the end of a thing. He, you you got to hold on until the end. We shall not lack because God has a way of showing up even if it may seem like it's too late. Even, even if it may seem like the whole situation is over, God has a way of showing up and bringing about justice in the end, no matter what you may not have, no matter what you may have run out of, no matter what you may have lost, if you honor God, if you don't compromise your, your belief in God, your kingdom principles, God will come through for you. God will supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. If you need food on your table, God is your provider. If you need clothes on your back, God is your provider. If you need, if you need gas in your car, God is your provider. If you need health insurance or some help paying those medical bills, God, God is a provider. God is a provider. God is a provider. So listen, what we're going to do, we're going to fear God and honor God. And we're going to trust him in, in doing things his way, honoring our, him and in, in handling our situations the way he would have us to handle them. We're going to trust God to come through and provide for us. Then David says something in verse 11. Woo, verse 11. David says, fear God anyway. And watch this. Come ye children, verse 11, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. David says, those of us who fear the Lord, we do not lack, but he also challenges us, teach others to fear the Lord. If you are one who honors God, you, you're in awe of God, you have reverence for God, you obey God, you are amongst the saints of God. Not perfect, but you are different. You, you belong to God and your life reflects that you're holy. You belong to God. David will say, all right, here's what you do. Based on verse 11, teach others. 
Teach others to fear the Lord. I'm in verse 11 again. Come, ye children. Children, it could be translated sons. Come, my sons. Come, my young men. Let me teach you the fear of the Lord. But it could also be translated simply the young in general. The young in general. Uh, our, our millennials, our generation, is it Generation Z, Generation Zen, it, the, the, the ones after the millennials. All right? he, he says, come here, y'all. I can teach y'all to fear the Lord. David must have got some insight. He must have got some insight into 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, where Paul told Timothy, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. And that's what David is proposing. David is proposing, I can, I can help train you in godliness. Those of us who fear God, being more like God, living for God, demonstrating the quality, certain qualities of God. David says, come, come, let, let the young people come. I can train them. I can teach them. I, I can show them. I can demonstrate for them what it means and how you're blessed when you fear God. I had to send David a text and I told him, David. Some of these posts I'm seeing from the few millennials and younger generation that's on Facebook, some of them are saying they ain't hearing all that. They, they don't want to hear about nonviolent protests. And some of them, some of them are saying they don't want to hear nothing about registering to vote. David, the next generation, if you're saying I can teach the next generation the benefits, the blessings, and, and how to behave when you want to handle injustice, unfair treatment, God's way, bring them to me. I can teach them. David, some of them, they, they ain't hearing it. They, they ain't hearing it. Our, 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 our children, and we all got to understand that our children are watching. Our, our children are watching this next generation. They're watching. They're watching all the OGs. They're, they're watching. And some of these people in the upcoming generation, I've seen their posts on Facebook. And I read a couple of them. I read responses and arguments and, and, and people just going in on each other about whether, whether or not nonviolent protest is the way to do it and, and whether or not uh, being registered to vote and voting ain't the way to do it. And they, David, they, the next generation ain't hearing it. Let, let me say this to anyone who's watching, especially if you're, let's say, 39 and younger. Let, let, me, let, me, say this. let, let, let me say this to anyone who feels as if nonviolent protesting is a waste of time and outdated rhetoric. Let me say this to anyone who feels as if registering to vote and actually voting is a waste of time. Let me let me say let me ask you something. Do you know why you can eat at nearly any restaurant, sleep in any hotel anywhere in these yet to be United States of America? Do you know why you can attend any college or university that you can get in? Do you know why you can register and vote and vote in any election? Do you know why all of my people here in, 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 in Warner Robins and Centerville, do you know why you can live in Royal Oaks? Do you know why you can live in country estates? Do you know why you can live in the landings? Do you know why you can live in that, in that subdivision in Centerville or Bonaire or, or Perry or right here in Warner Robins? Because way back in the day, 50, 60 years ago, folk were nonviolent protesting, some of them right here in one of Robbins so you today could live in Royal Oaks country estates the landings you could that's why you're living in that subdivision do you not know I'm listening to this audiobook or I listen to this audiobook uh, the color of justice I believe it is uh, where at one time 
developers who wanted to buy land and develop housing subdivisions were told by banks, we will lend you the money to develop that subdivision as long as you promise us you will not sell any homes to black people. And it was legal for banks to do it. They still doing it. It's illegal, but they still do it. So while you sit up in an air-conditioned house in that subdivision, and you can, you, the reason why you can eat at McDonald's today, the reason why you can eat at Wendy's, Red Lobster, and, and, or, or Papa Do's, the next time you go to Papa Do's, you thank God for those who sat at lunch counters so you can eat in any restaurant you want. Do you know how many of our ancestors had to travel and, and try to figure out how are we going to travel when we came? We, there are some gas stations that won't let us get gas. There are some hotels, motels. We got to see if there's any colored-owned hotels and motels along the journey or if anybody who will let us stop and sleep at their house because there were so many, so many hotels and motels who would not let us stay in their establishments. Don't forget that the Lorraine Motel was a motel for us because other folk wouldn't let us lay our, our nappy or curly heads in their establishments. So the next time you fix your lips to talk about the, the, uh, how social, how, how nonviolent protest is a waste of time or outdated, I beg you to reconsider. It worked then, it'll work now. It'll work now. Matter of fact, I don't know how many of y'all like the bowl. I'd like to know how many of our young folk like the bowl. How many, how many of our young black folk like the bowl? Next time you go bowling, next time you go bowling, I, I, I want you to think about uh, how it may have something to do with the efforts to desegregate the all-star bowling lane in Orangeburg, South Carolina, 1967, 1968, all-star bowling lane. Orangeburg, South Carolina did not allow black people to bowl in their bowling alley, but students from South Carolina State University, go Bulldogs, participated in what began as peaceful protests to desegregate the bowling alley, but it got violent, and eventually Samuel Hammond Jr., Delano Middleton, and Henry Smith lost their lives in the violence that followed. Nonviolent protests in, in affecting change still works, especially when you're, when you're protesting, listen to me, especially when you're protesting to change legislation. Getting some laws passed, getting some laws changed, make it illegal for certain things to happen. That's why, that's why, I'm going to get in trouble for this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Maybe irreverent. <laughs> I'm going to say, that's why your black behind can go to McDonald's, Red Lobster, Papa Do's, all them other restaurants you like to, that's why, that's why you can go to Savannah just to go to a restaurant. That's why you can go all the way to Atlanta just to sit in somebody's restaurant and eat their food. And then for those of you who feel like you don't want to hear anything about registering to vote, here's a real difference registering to vote can make. July 13th, 2013. If you, if you question if voting is a waste of time and is outdated, it doesn't make a difference, I want you to consider that date, July 13th, 2013. Do you know the significance of July 13th, 2013? That's the day George Zimmerman was found not guilty for second-degree murder and manslaughter in the death of Trayvon Martin. Do you know why George Zimmerman got away with murder? Because a jury found him not guilty. When you register to vote, you become eligible for jury duty. So if you had a seat in the jury box in that case with George Zimmerman, would the outcome have been different? 
When you sit in that jury box, when you got a seat in the jury box, you influence the outcome of somebody who may have been unarmed and killed by somebody else. But if you refuse to register and vote, if you conclude that it's a waste of time and you don't want to register, you don't want to vote, what you're saying is, eh, we'll leave it up to other people to fill up those seats in those jury boxes and determine whether or not citizens who are looking for justice will actually get it. If I were you, I would register to vote. And I would make my way to the polls and I would vote. I would vote for who's going to be your DA, your district attorney. I would vote for who's going to be your sheriff. I would vote for who's going to be, who's going to sit on your city council. I would vote for who's going to be your county commissioners. I would vote for who's going to represent you in your respective state. I, was, I, would, I would encourage you to vote and influence who's going to represent you uh, up in Washington, D.C. I would encourage you to register and vote. If for no other reason, you make yourself eligible to sit on jury. And, and let me say this, when you are summoned to serve on jury duty, don't try to get out of it. If you, if you believe in justice, if you believe in folk getting a fair trial in a court of law, don't try to get out of serving on jury duty. All of us. All of us, David says to all of us, all of us, come, ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. I would encourage all of us to sit down with some of the OGs who protested nonviolently, who had dogs sicked on them, who, who, who had ketchup, mustard, hot coffee poured on them when they sat at lunch counters down in Alabama. I would, I would encourage us to sit down with them and listen to their testimonies, some of them right here in Union Grove. Yeah, I snuck out. I snuck away from school. My mom and daddy didn't know. I snuck away from school to sit in, in on, on a protest. And man, when my daddy found out, yeah, right here in Union Grove, we got those stories. Sit down with them and listen to them and, 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 and thank them for their involvement. I'm about to go on. I'm about to move on. Here, watch this. So the fear of the Lord supposes, as David goes on in the text, fearing the Lord supposes you want to live a good, blessed life. David gives some instruction. Life-threatening, life-threatening trouble from evil people can find you. Even when you've done nothing wrong, committed no crime, but David gives some instruction worth heeding as he goes on. In verse 12, verse 12, David would tell us that people who fear God, we watch our mouths. Verse 12, David would say, watch your mouth. What man is he that desireth, love, desireth life and loveth many, many days that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking God. Don't let your words make your situation worse. Watch what you say. Watch what you post. Watch what you tweet. And then when David says, what is he that desireth life? I'm still in verse 12, 13. Loveth many days that he may see good. Keep thy tongue from, keeping, keep from speaking evil. Then I would ask David, what should we talk about? What, what, what should we talk about in this season? What, what should outraged citizens, black, white, yellow, brown, what should we talk about? No justice, no peace. Okay, cool, I get that. But, but what should we talk about? We should be talking about what kind of legislation could be passed to, to give stricter penalties for police officers who kill unarmed citizens. Is, is, is that possible? Is, that, is, is there any way? I don't, I don't know. I've been thinking about this. Is there any way it could be mandated where district attorneys must bring officers to trial? Who have killed unarmed citizens. Even if it was in self-defense. They must stand trial. I don't know. I don't know. Honestly I don't know. But I do know. 
that talk can be cheap, especially when you ain't going to do nothing but talk. What should we talk about? What, what should we talk? How about talk about what, what we do need a plan? What, what should be the plan? What legislation could we have passed? Whereas, where it could be some sort of an incentive for stuff like this to happen. And again, injustice knows no color. And injustice is not secluded to law enforcement. What about when government does it? What about when it happens in your home like it did between David and Saul, who was also his father-in-law? Talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. But David tells us, watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Talk about what honors God and positions you to walk in agreement with God today and tomorrow. How, how about this? How about you talk as if one day all of this will be behind you? That's worth talking about. Can you imagine David saying, yeah, I'm going through all of this, but you know what? One day I'm still going to be a king. One day, one day I'm still going to be royalty. One day God is still going to bless me to be in a position of power. And when I'm in power. When I'm in power, I won't, I'm going to make sure I'm not, I'm not going to be the perpetrator of injustice. Maybe that's why when David became king, David was like, is there, first of all, one guy comes to David and says, hey, I killed one of the sons of Saul. And I, I, look, 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 David, look at what I did. And, and he, he thought David would, would celebrate that. And David was like, wait a minute. The, the opportunities that I had to kill Saul and I didn't. And, and what Saul's family still means to me, you thought, you thought I'd celebrate this? And he had that man executed. Then David says, is there anybody left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness? Yeah. That's how folk talk when they know at some point God is going to turn this thing around. And when he does, when he does, we're not going to be like the, like the perpetrators of evil. But let me move on. Look, look, look at verse 14. Verse 14. Verse 14. I apologize. But I struggle putting this together. Verse 14. David would tell us, people who fear God, you really want to do something that's going to make a difference? David would say, not only watch your mouth, watch your movement. Watch your movement. I'm in verse 14. This right here makes the whole message worth hearing. Depart from evil. Do good. Seek peace and pursue it. That preaches itself. Depart from evil. Move away from it. Stay away from it. Depart from it. Have, have nothing to do with evil. Doesn't matter who's doing it. If one of your own kind is doing it, or somebody of another kind is doing it, you have nothing to do with it. Stay away from it. Stay away from it. Depart from evil. Move away from it. Then he tells us, here's what can really solve the problem. Here's what can really be significant in solving the problem. People who have a made up mind to do good. People who love God and say, you know what? I'm going to honor God by doing good anyway. I'm going to do good to people who may have done evil to me. I'm going to do good anyway. That's what people who fear God do. I'm going to do good anyway. Maybe that's why when David became king, again, David asked, is there anybody left from the house of Saul? The man who hunted me like, like I was a dog. Is there anybody left from the house of Saul? That I can bless. David says I'm going to do good anyway. Seek and pursue peace. And I'm going to close with this. Finally verse 15. Verse 15. David would say to us. The master is watching and listening. The master is watching and listening. Verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. 
the master is watching, and his ears are open unto their cry. Let's not discount the power of prayer. Let's not forget the power of prayer. The righteous, effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous, of God-fearing, Jesus-loving, kingdom-advancing people still avails much prayer can change things. That's a part of what got us here today. It wasn't just the protesting. Protesting played a part, but prayer, prayer undergirding it played a part in it as well. Pray, seek, seek God anyway. He watches us. He hears us. God, we understand that God, we have God's attention. He is watching. He is listening to you. Riots may be the voice of the unheard. Prayer is the voice of those who know God hears them and is able to turn things around. The master is watching. And prayerfully, God will so turn this thing around so that when it's all said and done, there's, there's no hostility amongst anyone. There's, that the kingdom has so advanced, the kingdom being righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, that the kingdom of God is so advanced. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. That the kingdom of God is so advanced to where there's no hostility. Amongst people of different races, people of different socioeconomic classes, there's, there's no hostility that, that, that there's peace because the kingdom of God has advanced. One thing that they sought to do in South Africa when they wanted to undo apartheid, they, they wanted to king, uh, not king, but President Mandela wanted to undo apartheid in a way to where when the black people became in positions of power in South Africa, there would be no tension between black citizens and white citizens in South Africa. Same thing Dr. Martin Luther King sought, a brotherhood, not just black people getting rights. We want that. We want equal and fair treatment. We want life, liberty, and, and, and the pursuit of happiness. We want liberty and justice for all. We want that, but at the same time, people of goodwill people of the kingdom who fear God anyway we don't want no tension we don't want any tension we don't want any tension when God fixes this thing people who fear him people who honor him people who love him are people who are seeking peace people who want to leave a legacy understanding the master is watching he's hearing our prayers I'm gonna close with this fear God anyway Fear God anyway. Honor God anyway. I know you're angry. Honor God anyway. Some of you may have concluded that peaceful approaches ain't working. It works. Fear God anyway. Let's handle this the way God would handle it. Every law enforcement officer, everyone, every district attorney, every judge, everyone who's going to get there behind in a, in a jury box, fear God anyway. Everyone, everyone in, D, in D.C., everyone in the White House, everyone in Congress, fear God. Anyway, if you claim to be a Jesus follower who wears a black robe and you sit on a judge's bench, do so as one who fears God. Anyway, all of us, all some of you who are upset with all police officers, knowing that all of them aren't evil, fear God anyway. Fear God anyway. God is going to fix this thing. He's going to turn it around. At some point, somehow, some way, someday, <laughs> someday, we shall overcome. I'm trusting him to do it. He's sovereign, still in control. It's all in his hands. We are not to sit back as passive 
passive spectators. There's a role you and I can play. Play that role. Participate. Engage. Do so as one who fears God anyway. Uh, I'm going to close again. My second close. Let's suppose no one does it. Let's suppose no one commits to departing from evil, doing good, seeking peace. Let's suppose nobody does it. What would we have? What would we have if there were no... What would we, what would we have if police officers in every city across the country would turn on one another and no one had protection from any law enforcement? Yeah, uh, we need people who are going to be committed to doing good. We need people who are going to be committed. Outraged, but yet committed. I'm going to handle this God's way. I'm going to respond God's way. I'm going to, I'm going to say what I believe God would have me to say. I'm going to do what God would have me to do. I'm going to honor God in the midst of my outrage. I'm going to honor God even when I'm being mistreated. I'm going to honor God when I'm the victim of injustice, whether it's at work, in the streets, in my own home going to fear God. I'm going to honor God anyway. We're going to handle it the way he would have us to handle it. This has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. We thank you for listening. If you're ever in the middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On the behalf of Dr. Clark and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.